are in a series called Sweat Equity, and uh, what we've been talking about is this fact that uh, uh, Lisa and I started working out at the same gym uh, together, so uh, uh, Lisa's my wife, for those of you who are visiting, not a neighbor. Um, anyway, uh, and so I never thought I could do that. Like, I never thought we'd work out together, like, in the same class or whatever. I always went to the gym, put my headphones on, as I said last week, listened to um, worship music, um, and, uh, and then uh, would just kind of have my workout. And, and, and Lisa had been going to this gym. She says, you got to go. And I'm like, every time you come back, you look like, like you were in a war. Like, I don't want to go there, okay? And so she, she says, oh, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go. So I, I decide to sign up for like the introductory offer. And then, um, so we work out, we, we started the, the workout. And the way it works is this. You walk in to the, let's call it the dojo. And uh, you, you walk in and on the wall is your workout for that day. You, you don't just kind of meander around and start picking up weights and start stretching, because that's how you stretch, by the way. Um, you, you, you don't do that. You don't like go over to a machine and sit there. You walk in, and that's your workout. That's the culture of the place. The, the, the trainer has given you the workout. And you also don't go, oh, that's my workout. Um, I'll take uh, number one, uh, three, and then I'll do half of four, but then I'd like to sit for a while. No, you do the workout. So it could be anything. It could be uh, weight training in circuits. It could be these uh, things called uh, shorelines, which were invented to torture people in the war, uh, where you... Do 10 of something, and then you run two laps, and then you do nine, and then you do eight, and you run two laps in, in between. And then that's, that's the first thing, right, that you do. And there's four of those. And so there, it could be that. It could be uh, what we did yesterday, where you have, uh, y- y- you do something for 23 seconds, and then you're off for 10 seconds, and then you run to the next thing, and there's eight of them, and you do that four times, okay? And then, and then that's round one. Okay, and then you go to round two. It's, hor- it's a horrible, horrible place. <laughs> You're saying, but John, what? why would you preach a sermon series on, on you and Lisa working out? It's because the more I, get, I, I get into it and the more I become involved and the more I actually do the work, I start thinking to myself, I wish church were more like this. You there? <laughs> It's going to be a tough one today. I'm just telling you right off the bat, okay? I wish church was more like this. Let me put it this way. Not our church, because we're amazing, okay? We'll just say the American church. See, what, what you do when you really want to get into it at this gym, you start what they call the food program. <laughs> so it's not enough just to torture you. Uh, what they do with the food program is uh, you walk in and they weigh you. And they say you're weighed out loud, uh, not in front of the class, but uh, you're on the same page. Like, you weigh this much, so you have to hear it. And then they measure you. Hips, thighs, chest, and they have a number for all that. Then they tell you, okay... Now that we know where you're at, here's what you're going to have to do. You can have this much protein, this much. And so then, so like after you've heard all this depressing news, they take away the food that would comfort you to get through the day. (laughs) And here's the other thing. It costs money. (laughs) 
It costs money to do this food program. So, so, so let me get this straight, just because I'm not, I'm not doing the food program. I, I know people who are, but I'm not, I'm not doing the food program. But when you talk to the person in the food program, they're like, oh my gosh, this, is, this makes all the difference. This how, how, how I am with food and all this kind of stuff. Now, why in the world would I pay money, be humiliated, and have food taken away from me? Why, who, who, why would you do that? Because you have a vision for what healthy looks like in your life. I would do it because it would help me become healthy. That it, through the difficulty, I would now be able to spend more time with my grandkids if I had them. Uh, more time as I get older with my wife, we can do more. We can, because healthy, we all know what healthy looks like. Now here's the thing about this gym. Nobody complains. This is the culture. As a matter of fact, I remember one time uh, we got in there and um, I was looking at the board of death uh, to see what we, we had to do. And it was these, these things. And, um, and one of the gals in the class goes, um, well, that's a lot of push-ups. And this is exactly what the trainer did. He looks at her like this. Okay, so let's get started, right? Like just, this is the culture. Like this is it. Like it wasn't like, oh, I know it is a lot of push-ups. And here's why. I it was just like dagger eyes. <laughs> like, and like the whole thing was, you know, there's a 24-hour fitness down the street. You can go sign up for that and go do that. The culture is just, hey, difficulty is Okay. To bring health. I think we've lost a little bit of that. In the American church. I think we've lost the fact that Jesus said. Listen. You want to be my disciple? That's fantastic. Raise your hand and come forward. And we'll say a prayer. And then you're good to go. Now. He said you want to be my disciple? Take up your cross daily. And follow me. And follow me. Here's the verse for the series that uh, hopefully we're memorizing. Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We were created to work. We were created to be vessels of the kingdom of God, living, breathing vessels. We were created to be the bride of Christ, representing him wherever we go. And I think part of the problem is that we've lost some of the language that Jesus actually had. Never once in that gym, from the first time I got there, did they ever say, and on Wednesdays, it's really easy. You know, that's the yoga class. You can go to that one. No, it's going to be hard. And I think part of us appreciates that. But when it comes to our Christianity, oftentimes I feel like we've, we've gotten comfortable. We, we, we've gotten to like Sunday morning or whatever is, is, a, is like a buffet. This week, I don't get anonymous connection cards, by the way. And what Jonathan was saying was true. We love getting connection cards. So uh, we try to get one from every family every week so we know who's been here and who hasn't so we can follow up with them. So uh, just put your 
name on it and, and, uh, and those prayer requests, we pray for them every single week. Every single one of them, we pray every single week. And sometimes people use the connection card to make suggestions or say, you know, this or that. But if it, if it doesn't have a name, my staff is instructed not to give me the connection card. Unless it's a glowing praise about my sermon, then I'll, we'll make copies. But uh, if it's like a complaint, but there's no name, I don't see it at all. Because I need context for what it is. It's not that I hate the person, or I just need to know the context of, of where it is. And you should always feel comfortable to write anything on that connection card. If it has your name on it, then we can have a discussion, and it's great. So this week, I guess because I was on sabbatical, um, the rule uh, we forgot or whatever, and so I got a connection card. And it, and it said something to the effect that um, they, didn't, they didn't know the song, and so they couldn't worship. And uh, not to put that person on the spot, because I don't even know who they are. Uh, and if I did, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even have mentioned the card. But this is what's behind that statement. The immortal God, the eternal God, creator of heaven and earth, invisible, this rock, this shield, omniscient, omnipresent, that, that, that in fact... He's so much beyond all we can ask or imagine, unless we're struggling with the song at worship time. I want to read to you uh, the blessing that I read last week as we left. And um, it says this. This is, this is what Paul, this is the vision Paul has for the church. This is not a wimpy vision. This is not a consumeristic vision. This is a powerful, mighty vision that the church would move in power. Listen to this. And bear with me, it's a little uh, long. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Paul, you can just picture, Paul's in prison at this point. And you can just picture him in his chains, just kneeling before God. And this is the heartbeat of what he wants to say. This is the vision he has for the church. From whom every uh, family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of uh, his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And then he goes on in, uh, in Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And then he adds this. Unless you're not feeling it on Sunday. <laughs> I'm so thankful for Ephesians 3.22. And he goes on. And I take back everything I said in the last seven verses and the last few chapters. <laughs> Listen. For the person who wrote the anonymous thing. This is why I feel comfortable talking about it. Because that's me. That's me. I, I, I could have written that. 
I, I totally could have written that. I've, I've done similar things. I've gone to church before I was up here and I was down there. Uh, I, would, I would go to church and I'd, I'd, I'd rate things. And I'd, I, I did it just this week. I was at a conference and the speaker was speaking and I was rating <laughs> the person. So, so the anonymous card could be me. But we've got to move past that. We've got to get to a place that when we gather, and again, not Living Spring, I'm talking about all the other churches that are watching me on, online right now. Those would be horrible. We've got to move past just being Christians. Christians is such a nebulous word. It could mean anything. I mean, uh, we, we've gone to war in the name of Christian. It, it, it's, you know, we have all these categories for Christian, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, Wesleyan, Calvinist, American Baptist, conservative Baptist, Southern Baptist, Presbyterian, Nazarene, free Methodist. Okay, right? <laughs> uh, all these different things. Well, what does it mean? The fact of the matter is the Bible only uses the word Christian three times. And in no place is it a good name. It's kind of like being called redneck, okay? It's like, it's like oh, the Christians. And like, you'll, you'll see it in Acts. They were first called Christians in Antioch. You'll see it when Paul went on trial and they said, what are you going to try and make me a Christian? That isn't the word that we use. The, the, the word we use is far more horrifying. It's disciple. A disciple. So Christian can mean anything. I'm, I try to do good. I read my Bible. I, I, I listen to the fish. Okay, that's, that's all Christian. But God calls us to be disciples. You know what a disciple does? A disciple follows Jesus. And every morning wakes up and looks at the board and says, what's the workout you got for me today, Jesus? And doesn't say, well, I can't do number one. That's kind of, I got a bad back. I could try number two. A matter of fact, why don't we go with yesterday's workout? No. A disciple says, Jesus, I'm about ready to enter into this decision. What would you do? I'm about ready to spend my money. What would, what would you do? How would you spend my money? How would you respond to my boss? How would you respond to my spouse? See, a disciple is always ready to say yes. Okay, it's not working out for me the way I thought it would. Okay, Jesus, what would you have me do? And it's hard. I wrote down some things, the difference between Christians and disciples. And again, I, I, hope, I hope you, I hope, well, here they are. <laughs> Christians speak their mind. Disciples mind their speech. Christians need their candidate in the White House. Disciples are citizens of an entirely different kingdom. Christians gather together when it's convenient, depending on the sports season. Disciples prioritize gathering. Christians are concerned about how the world will impact their family. Disciples are concerned about how their family will impact the world. Christians give to good causes. Disciples tithe. Christians invite Jesus into their day. Disciples prioritize their day around Jesus. Christians need to be fed. Disciples feed themselves and others. Christians are concerned about what Joel Olstein did this week. Disciples are concerned about what they did this week. Christians are concerned about morals. Disciples are concerned about their own morals. Christians want prayer in school. Disciples pray in schools. 
Christians want to be right. Disciples want desperately to get it right. I can only speak on behalf of myself, but I think there's a big part of my life that's a little too Christian and not enough disciple. I, I think I, 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 it's a little too self-serve what I like, what I don't like. Now, now please hear me. We, we want the worship to be inspiring and songs we know and all that, but you have to understand how difficult it is because for every connection, and it's, it's almost comical, you will get a connection card that says, I wasn't really feeling worship. And literally the next one is, that was the most inspiring worship I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and one's not dumb and the other smart, or one's not, it's just, it's just the, the tapestry of, of, of the bride of Christ. That's what makes it beautiful, is that we're all coming from different perspectives, different backgrounds. Sometimes, uh, and I've heard this many times, that I will preach a sermon until my armpits are sweaty and I will get done and I will have said, that is all I can do. And somebody will go, that poem said everything. You know, Ajwa's poem afterwards. While I preach, Ajwa writes a poem live, okay? And I'm like, the poem? (laughs) I worked all, she did that while I was talking. (laughs) Like, what, what, okay, it rhymed, great, good. But, but didn't you hear Right? Why? Why? Now, now, I know we're joking, but, but let's think about that. The Holy Spirit used a totally different medium to change a heart, to draw someone closer to him. And I have no business going, okay, Audrey, no more poems, okay? You're getting all the credit, and we're going to forget it. <laughs> She's laughing back there. Oh, man. So, so here, here's, here's what I want to do. I want to show you another way. Uh, what to do when you don't connect with the sermon or you don't connect with a worship song or you don't connect with your boss or you don't connect with another Christian or maybe you're from different sides of the aisle, Democrat or Republican or whatever, and we're going to talk a lot about this next week. Um, I would really encourage you to be here next week if you have any social media or internet connection uh, because I will be talking about that. There is another way. A way that Jesus modeled. If we're going to be disciples, like Jesus called us to be, then we have to look at our rabbi. We have to look at our teacher. What did he say? What did he do? How do we go about this when we get into situations where it's just not, we're just not, quote unquote, feeling whatever it is. We're going to be in John chapter 13. And let me just set up the whole thing for you. Jesus has had three years of ministry. He's probably about 33 years old now. And he knows he's going to die. I mean, this is, I I just want, you know, sometimes we just, Jesus' death and and burial and resurrection is kind of just encompassed in this. but But I just want you to, for a second, think about if you knew in a couple days you were going to pass. You knew that. And it wasn't going to be pretty. As a matter of fact, when we talk about Christianity, uh, we lose the fact that a, much of what took place in the early Christianity was persecution, was difficulty. I joke sometimes about, you know, how do you grow a church? Well, you persecute it. <laughs> and then everybody gets really serious about their faith and they scatter and, 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 it, and it goes. I, I'm not planning on that as a strategy for our church, uh, but that, that's just what happened. And Jesus modeled, how, what do you do? in this persecution. We'll talk about that next week as we talk about the Garden of Gethsemane. 
But Jesus is up in the upper room. It's Passover and he's with his disciples and he knows he's going to die. And so he's got to get these words to them because he's not going to be with them any longer. And so this is really, really important to Jesus. And so John chapter 13, verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. If you want to be on a moral high ground, (laughs) there's nothing higher than that. So Jesus knows his time is done. He has run the race. He's fought the good fight and he has his death left to go. Now, what, what, what would you think Jesus would do? The first thing Jesus would do, well, I'm going to die in a couple days. Um, I, I've come from God. I, I've done my job here. I've got these disciples, and I'm going back to God. What, what do you think would be the first thing that he would do? This is what he does. So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And this Jesus that was going to die in a couple days takes this towel and he dips it in the water and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. Now, this is a difficult thing for us to understand nowadays. Sometimes we'll have foot washing services like um, when Lisa and I uh, first, after I had left business, my old church kind of gave us away to this church. It's a, a sister church. And they had a foot washing ceremony. Now, for those of you who know me very well, no touchy. No touchy. Okay? <laughs> and I certainly don't want you touching my feet. Okay? And so, we, we, I, but I was a good good person, and I put my foot out. I had my nails mani-pedi, and I was all set and ready to go. And so they, they washed my feet. This isn't, this isn't what Jesus was doing. Jesus was taking the role of a servant. There should be a servant at the door. And when the people would walk in, the guests would walk in, the servant would take a towel and would wash their feet so that when they were inside, their feet were, would be cleaned off from the dust that was outside. And so when we have a foot washing service, it really doesn't do it justice because we think of it as a ceremony and he was just being a servant. And so he does this to all his disciples so much so that they're uncomfortable with it. And it says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. He says, do you understand what I've done for you? Do you, do, you, do you know what I've done for you? And they go, you know, they would say, yeah, you washed our feet. And he's like, no, 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 no. I have modeled to you. I have released you from the need to be served. You don't have to worry about being served anymore because I'm modeling to you what it's like to serve instead. Jesus was the model. Jesus said, even in fact, prior to this, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. 
And I find so many times in my own spiritual walk that I act like a Christian. That I act like, well, I didn't really like that. And I like that. It's like a little smorgasbord thing, you know. And I'll, I'll visit different churches and I'll be like, oh, I'd, I'd, I'd like to have um, that building and um, that, uh, you know, whatever. And that, you know, and it's like, that's not the reality. And in fact, we are called to take our towel, no matter what the situation is, and we wash each other's feet. So, I would wash the feet of my youth pastor that said being in children's ministry is like grinding nails on your teeth, okay? <laughs> I'm a, he's, I don't know if he's here. I'm going to give him a hard time for that one. because Yeah, <laughs> no, there he is, right? Right? Now, see, that's just a dumb example. But there's lots of things that go on where you'd be like, well, I, I don't know that I would have said it that way. So what? Big deal. Here we go. Just let it go. Let me clean that up for you. It's not a big deal. Now imagine if this was our go-to response when things didn't go our way, when we weren't served, when our feet weren't washed. And we say, you know what? They'll get washed some other time, some other place, some other way. We look up at the board and we say, you know, I think Jesus has this for me today. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Um, this one, one time we were working out and I, I realize that, uh, that how horrible it is to keep using this analogy because this series is six weeks long and so I better be like yoking up or else you're going to be like, you don't work out. Like your arms are just as skinny as they are. No, they're, they're toned is what we like to say. They're not. Uh... All right, so one, one time uh, we have this, this one thing he wanted us to do and he said, hey, um, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to work out with you. And I'm like, ew. Like he's real, this guy is just like a perfect specimen. And I'm limping around every place and I can barely do anything right. Have you ever seen that meme of like what you think you look like and what you actually look like? <laughs> yeah, that's just in my mind the whole time I'm working out. It's like, oh yeah, I'm working out my core. And I'm like, ah, you know. It's a certain... And so, so here's what he does. So we, we, he straps on this vest that has weights like shoved in it. And so when we have to do like one thing, he, has the, he does it with this weight vest on and then he like jumps up and then does like, does a pull up and then lifts his legs up and all this kind of stuff. And it's like all I had to do is just kind of like go like this, you know? Because he's demonstrating what it could be like. This is all Jesus is doing. He's saying, Have, do you see what I'm doing for you right now? I'm showing you, I'm releasing you in that you can be a disciple who doesn't get bent out of shape about stuff that doesn't go your way. He says, he goes on, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, have shown you grace, have shown you forgiveness. You should also watch, wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done. And then he gets, he leans in. Uh, I don't know if he leans in, okay? I'm assuming if he's anything like someone who wants to get his point across, he, I can just picture him gathering. Hey, come, 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 come here, come here, come here. He says this, my children... 
I will be with you only a little longer. So catch what I'm about to say. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give to you, love one another. Love one another. I was talking to Jonathan outside and we were just talking about this idea of loving each other. Just the idea of loving someone means that you're going to have times when it's not easy. When it doesn't go your way. That they're a knucklehead. Jesus says, love one another. And then watch how he, I, I don't like this next verse because he really kind of drills it down. Like, like love one another. And we say, okay, I, I will, Jesus. I'll, I'll love, I'll love people. Oh, mm, I just, oh, in the corazón. Oh, I love all of you. Okay. He says this. No, no, no. As I have loved you, that's how I want you to love each other. Peter, remember when you were acting the fool? You were blabbing your mouth out and all that kind of stuff? What, what happened? I said, hey, come on. Let's go. You don't need to do that anymore. Remember uh, James and John, when you, the sons of thunder, and you wanted to be first? And I, I loved you through that. There was no problem. I talked to you, and the next day, we're fine again. Matthew, remember when you were a traitor, and you were taking money from Jews, and they hated you? And I said, hey, come follow me. Right in the midst of you being a traitor. That's, that's how I want you to love each other. Remember we went to your house with all your tax collecting friends? I got a lot of grief for that. <laughs> a lot of grief. I did it anyway. Why? Because I love you. And, and in, in just a little bit, he's going to show the extent of that love. He says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. Isn't it fascinating? It's not a theology course. They're going to know your disciples because of what you learn, what you've memorized. That's, that's, that's great. But if we're not learning and we're not memorizing and we're not uh, prioritizing our time because we want to become more like Jesus, we are basically just going to the gym and not working out. We're just walking around. I think God calls us to so much more. I think God calls me to so much more. I'm just realizing, Jesus, this, this day, what do you got on the board for me today? And he says, well, it's not going to be easy. But you're going to become healthy if you can keep getting through these little difficulties that come in the way. You learn how to deal with them. You learn how to take the uncomfortableness and then take off your outer garment, put a towel down, and wash that person's feet. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. And then this is so classic because this is just like me. Peter, after all this, had his feet washed Jesus is telling him, look, I'm, 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 where I'm going, you can't go. You got to love each other. You got to love each other. This is so important. This is how the church is going to be different than everything else. Is people who shouldn't really be loving each other are because of the love they receive from Christ. Because of that, well, you got to get this down. And Peter says, Lord, where are you going? <laughs> like you could just picture Jesus going... Oh, my goodness. 
I'm actually looking forward to my crucifixion. I got, like, right? I mean, you can imagine, like, Peter, dude, haven't you heard anything? This is totally me. <laughs> this is totally me. I want to go back. Wait, wait, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, I know, I know what you said about loving each other and all this kind of, but, but I got this, you know this person that I'm struggling with. And I just have, I just, all I want to do is just go in, give them my one-liner, and then I'll be done, and then I'll start loving, okay? Like, all, all I want to do, don't, can you change them, Lord? Can you change them? They're, they're, they're really bothering me. It's just like asking, well, where are you going? Like, see, Peter's thinking about, how is this going to affect me if you're not around? And Jesus is like, no, <laughs> it, it's going to affect you if you can get this love one another down. So here's what we're going to do for our homework this week. Two, two difficult things. Uh, the first is what I call the high five challenge. Okay? Don't, I want you to pick some people in your life, no more than five, but you might only be able to pick one or two or whatever. These are people that when you see them, you're like, I do not want to see them. They're people that when you think about them, you think, oh, I can't believe, you know, you're just, they just bother you. They're difficult people. And you're like, did you say the high 50 challenge or the high five challenge? No, the high five challenge. And here's one of the little rules. Um, one of the people have to be someone you'll probably never meet. So it could be the president. It could be someone from Congress. It could be somebody that when you just, when you just hear their name or whatever, you just like, oh, I can't stand that person. Or maybe someone who's wounded you in the past. Five, okay? If, if you're just like, five's too many, pick two. Here's what you're going to pray. You're going to pray, Lord, two things. Lord, help me see them as you see them. That's a very simple one. I should have, I, sorry, I didn't write it. Is it in the bulletin? Okay, good, good. Awesome, awesome, good. Help me see them as you see them. And the second thing you're going to pray is help me see them as my equal. See, so much of, of why we have this problem with loving each other, or loving others, or all this, is because we lose sight of the fact that we are all broken. We're all capable of anything. And to say, Lord, help me see them like you see them. Help me, help me uh, see them as my equal. And then if you could pray for one third thing I didn't put in the bulletin. Bless them. Lord, I pray you'd bless them. Now, that is so hard to do. But this week, every day, you have your five. Rittenhouse is spelled with two T's, by the way. Um, you, have, you have your five. And you... Well, I, was, I wasn't talking about me. I was... <laughs> And you're sitting there. Maybe you're on Facebook. And you know, Facebook's bizarre. We'll talk about this next week. But you know, you know maybe, maybe you're different than me. Isn't it weird that you have some Facebook friends where like you go on their Facebook to be annoyed? Like, am I the only one here? Like you go and you're like, you're like I knew it. I knew it. It's like, yeah, that's because that's who they are. Yeah, I, I knew it. Like there's something weird about that. So you, you, you're on Facebook and you see an I knew it moment and you think to yourself, Oh, man. Lord, help me see them as you see them. 
Help me see them as their equal and bless them. I didn't come here to be served, but to serve. And so that's your high five challenge. Um, I don't want to know your five, so don't email me or text me uh, what, what they are. I don't want to know if I'm on your five, okay? Just pray for me. Those, those same things. Here's the other thing. Uh, Jonathan mentioned it a little bit uh, before. Um, uh, Kristen Gibson is our children's minister, and if you see her walking around, you'll notice um, that either she has a drinking problem or she's pregnant, okay? I mean, she is out to here. And so she's going to be leaving us for a period of time while she's on maternity leave, okay? We need people who are very, very busy, <laughs> who might think, oh, I worked all week long, and I don't know, and Sunday's kind of my way to rewind and all that kind of stuff, to wrap a towel around your waist and sign up for children's ministry for till the end of the year. Okay, we're going to need about five of you. Now, uh, what we do, we do a quick background check, because we want to make sure everybody's safe, so if you've uh, murdered anyone, probably not going to make it. Um, but if, um, if your background is clean and ready to go, we will take anyone. We will not dump you in a class and say, teach that class where you're just like, hey kids. And they're all like running around and all that kind of stuff. You'll be an aide. You'll be, you'll, you'll help one of the teachers if you have that, that gifting. And the, the, the reason I was joking with Jonathan about the children's ministry announcement is he made, uh, the only thing he really said wrong was, if you're called to it, I, you don't have to be called, okay? <laughs> right? We just need people. If I, if I could put my training face on, right, and you were like, oh, man, John, if you, if you knew what kind of week I have, I'm really busy, and, man, that just, that's just a lot of time. I just wish I could go. Okay, so here's what we're going to do, right? I wish I could do that. But I'll have the guts, and I'm, I'm not as cut as he is. But we, 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 need, we need five or six people. It's till the end of the year. It starts in uh, around mid-October. We'd love to have you start a little earlier just so you can get your feet wet a little bit. So those are, those are two, two ways. This week, you can wrap your mind around the idea that God has called you to something deeper. God has called you to serve. And it can happen in the sweetest of ways. It doesn't have to be a big deal. It might be that that coworker that's always driving you nuts comes into your cubicle and says some little snarky comment and you go, and you don't say anything and that's your foot washing. I'm going to get pruned hands if I keep doing that. It could be something in the house. Or you're with your kids or something and, and you're watching something and they come in and you just hit the pause button or the off button and you turn and you say, you know what? I'm going to serve you right now. It could be anything like that. I am excited for you. I'm excited for you because I think tomorrow morning or maybe when you get home, you will wake up in the morning and you can look at your board <laughs> and say, well, Lord, I don't like what you have planned for me, but let's get busy because I want to be healthy. And so let me pray for us as Adra comes back up. We, we're going to um, end with one final song. 
And this is the time when we fill out our connection cards if you haven't done that already. And if you um, call Living Spring your home, uh, we always appreciate those who um, uh, have accepted the call of obedience to give uh, to fund the kingdom of God. And so... Um, you can do that in many different ways. You can go online and give. You can give uh, here. We just take all those connection cards and all the offering and we put it in a box in the back on our way out. Let me pray for us. Lord, rabbi, teacher, coach, thank you for caring enough about us to tell us what we need to do. Tell us the hard stuff. Thank you by not candy-coating your language. Thank you for not promising health and wealth and blessing and friends around every corner. And Lord, help us to see life for what it is, a journey following you. What you did, we want to do. What you said, we want to say. We need your guidance. We need your love. Lord, help us, help us, help us this week. Do the hard thing of loving others. And help us commit ourselves even more to a life that is pleasing to you.